This is Unconventional Knowledge, the podcast that takes a look at the information hidden below the surface. Each episode, we ask an expert to give us an insider's perspective on a current event. John Polga Hetzimovic is an expert on Latin American affairs and has been closely following the situation in Peru. In this episode, he provides us with an insider's perspective on the root causes of the crisis and the potential outcomes for the country. Fierce anti-government protests in Peru are approaching the two-month mark, and there's still no end in sight. At least 65 people have died at the hands of state security forces, and thousands more have been injured. Huge swaths of the country have been paralyzed by protests and roadblocks, and on February 5th, Peru's government declared a 60-day state of emergency in four regions, and extended for a further 60 days a state of emergency in three others. The spark which lit the country aflame was the impeachment and arrest of former President Pedro Castillo. On December 7th, just hours before he was due to face an impeachment vote for the third time in just 16 months of office, Castillo announced that he would close Congress and form an emergency government until new legislative elections could be held. Lawmakers widely condemned these actions as an autogolpe, or self-coup, and proceeded with the impeachment vote approving his removal from office by a wide margin. Sadly, this is nothing new for Peru. Three of the country's four previous presidents, Pedro Pablo Kuczynski, Martin Vizcarra, and Manuel Merino, had been forced from office before their terms ended. And Castillo entered the presidency as a political novice, a rural school teacher with fragmented legislative support, a weak popular mandate, and little political experience. Unfortunately for his successor, uh, Boluarte, Castillo's impeachment was a catalyst for widespread popular mobilization, which now threatens the survival of her government. These protests have united diverse groups, which do not necessarily share a common goal beyond calling early general elections. They're on the streets for several reasons. First, not all observers uh, have interpreted Castillo's actions as illegal. Many of the ex-president's left-wing and, and rural supporters have denounced his ouster and preventative detention and are advocating for his uh, return, however unlikely. Secondly, Peru's identity politics plays a major role in the country's reaction. Many rural indigenous Peruvians see Castillo's removal as one of their own being forced from office by uh, a, a distant coastal elite uh, Third, it's also clear that the popular anger is being driven by a combination of structural problems as well as circumstantial ones. From long-standing uh, inequalities in the country to the effects of inflation and a rise in the cost of living. Lastly, security forces' lethal crackdowns on demonstrators under Boluarte has aggravated tensions. Indeed, far from calming things, Boluarte has inflamed the protests with her heavy-handed response and a rather exaggerated and dangerous characterization of the protesters as terrorists, something that harkens back to, to the 1990s during the country's period of civil strife. Boluarte is rightfully worried about her survival and focused on restoring order in the country. 
and she really isn't in a position to affect deep reform. Like Castillo before her, and really most Peruvian presidents of the past 20 years, she lacks a mandate, she lacks legislative support, and she lacks institutional allies. She has, however, belatedly recognized that holding early general elections in 2024 instead of 2026 offers perhaps the only route out of the current crisis. Nonetheless, Peru's Congress has blocked bills to this effect. Lawmakers from the left and the right have sought to tie their support for early elections to other issues, such as constitutional reform, and they rightfully fear for their re-election prospects in the country's political climate. Given all of this, at the moment, I see three basic scenarios. The status quo uh, of instability, a second of constitutional change, and a third of deepening crisis. In the first scenario, uh, President Boluarte survives, but the problems persist. This is by far the most likely scenario. One where the president is able to uh, muddle through the immediate crisis and demonstrations, but pretty much little else. Without fundamental changes to the political system, and regardless of when elections are held, long-term dysfunction that has plagued the country for a long time will continue. The party system is atomized. Citizens have little confidence in the politicians or political institutions. Ultimately, then, Peru's politics and political system would need a reset. But under this scenario, it's unclear if one would be on the horizon. The presidential field for the next elections, probably in 2024, but whenever, will almost certainly consist of 10 or more candidates polling in the single digits, low double digits, jockeying for a place in the runoff election. Whoever wins will find governability difficult, uh, tepid legislative support, uh, and a Congress that you know basically remains divided among 10 or more parties that are united around mutual and often ephemeral interests. Elections will then start anew the poisonous cycle of executive legislative bargaining, changing coalition partner demands, inevitable coalition partner defections, and the desperate game of chicken where the president threatens to dissolve Congress, well, the legislature threatens to impeach the president. Given the focus on political survival, there, there will be minimal governability, and this does very little to resolve the country's underlying problems, such as access to state services, representation, uh, and other questions of uh, equality. In the second scenario, I, I, Boluarte's survival uh, is assured by promoting constitutional change. So it's possible not only that the president survives, but placates protesters and critics by beginning the process of reforming the country's 1993 constitution. Such a move would be aimed at those on the political left who have called for a constituent assembly to draft a new Magna Carta for the country. In a January 15th survey by the Instituto de Estudios Peruanos, 69% of respondents of all ideological stripes supported the formation of a constituent assembly to change the constitution. 
So certainly this scenario would provide a sense of optimism for Peruvian voters. With that being said, this option certainly faces an uphill battle. The diffuse nature and demands of the protest movement does not provide a clear directive for a constituent assembly. Secondly, protesters are not linked to the country's political parties, which could otherwise channel their demands towards towards a new constitution. In the third and last scenario, the worst case scenario, the president falls and the country's chaos deepens. This is possible, but probably the least likely of the three scenarios, where Boluarte is forced from office before elections are held, probably in 2024. This would take one of two troubling forms. One possibility is that anti-government demonstrators, uh, with violence and, and repression from state security forces, converge on Lima and demand her resignation. To avoid further bloodshed and chaos, President Boluarte resigns, and the country uh, is thrown back into uh, trying to rule with with an interim president. Another possibility is that Boluarte tries to force the issue of early elections with a rather recalcitrant legislature, which then seeks its revenge by impeaching her. In either case, the change in government would do nothing to improve governability, It would do nothing to address voters' cost-of-living concerns, and it would do nothing to assuage their underlying anger with the political system. More instability would also further dampen the country's economic prospects, which have been damaged uh, in the two months of demonstrations. In all scenarios, but especially this one, authoritarian candidates promising order and progress are going to be more appealing to voters, further endangering Peruvian democracy. I hope this conversation with John Paul Gahetsimovich has given you a better understanding of the crisis in Peru and the challenges that lie ahead. For more in-depth analysis of current events, please visit our website at gsreportsonline.com or follow us on social media.